The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Lunn and... Rob Davis. Hey. Awesome. Uh, so uh, today we've got a, uh, a great episode for you. Uh, I'm feeling really high energy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got a really great episode for you. Um, we've got uh, a little bit of Paranet working where uh, we'll be talking about what's going on in the world of Jim Butcher and Dresden Files uh, as of today. Uh, and then we've got our book club where we will be covering chapters 13, 14 and 15 of Stormfront by Jim Butcher uh, as we really get into some of the meat uh, of the plot. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time to be a Dresden fan and it's a great time to be listening to us. Um, so let's, uh, let's take this energy forward and dive straight in to power networking. Um, and Jim Butcher uh, released the... Um, the second part of the Stormfront 20th uh, anniversary celebrations uh, this week. Uh, So I'm just going to go over a little bit of that. Uh, And then uh, Rob's got some stuff um, from uh, Penguin uh, hosting a special event uh, that he wants to kind of share with you guys. Uh, So uh, the Stormfront anniversary, uh, there's some great stuff um, on the Jim Butcher website. We've kind of, we've mentioned it pretty much in every episode um but really really recommend checking that out uh, if you have time uh as it's just packed full of dresdeny resources and fun um and everything that could be spoilerific uh is kind of locked off so uh you can choose whether or not you want to be spoiled on anything so it's great if you're just joining us um reading stormfront um or it if you're a, a veteran of the series like myself and rob um the stormfront anniversary uh kind of stuff that's going down uh so if you're not uh, familiar stormfront was released uh 20 years ago this year in the year 2000 um which uh is is crazy uh that it's been going for so long this series um the uh post covers uh, a little bit about a justin files cosplay contest um uh, because of obviously lockdown and, and all that stuff um there's uh not going to be any sort of comic-con meetups or anything like that to do dresden files this year so jim butcher is hosting a cosplay contest uh from the comfort of his own home and your own home um that you can enter uh you can still enter uh, even now um also uh battlegrounds has been recovered uh this um it's just a, a, a tiny thing, but basically some people weren't happy with some of the cover art. Uh, so uh, they got it changed uh, to be more um, <coughs> in tone with Dresden Files and all that. Um, and and what, the, uh, what people know of the character. Um, but then the really interesting stuff that comes into this post uh, is uh, the alternative art uh, and uh, illustrations um, from Vincent Chong uh for uh stormfront um as it re- was originally going to be released uh so this art um picks out uh, a couple of really key moments from the book uh moments that you will uh, enjoy uh having read up to this point um and a couple that are 
uh, in the latter half of the book. Uh, so we've got the scorpion charm uh, from uh, when Harry first takes the case. Uh, we've got um, an image of Toot Toot from when uh, Harry tries to find out a little bit more about what's going on uh, with Victor Sell's uh, lakeside house. Uh, and then we have um, a image of uh, Harry's uh, basement laboratory, uh, or whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of arcane sanctum, uh, with Bob the Skull, of course, and uh, a magic circle, which we will be talking about today. Um, so uh, it's really, really fun just to kind of look at this art and um, how uh, it recreates um, some of the, like, the key images from the book. Um, Moving on, there's also some alternative covers for what Stormfront could have looked like. Uh, I really, really like these. These are from Francis uh, Zai. Um, and these are... Um, they look very, very like film noir in style. Um, I, I think they're, they're a lot of fun and would maybe be interesting for like a, a release later down the line or like a special release or something like that. Um, it's really cool. It's like when you get like variant covers on comic books, uh, just seeing how different artists um, interpret uh, Dresden and Dresden Files, uh, particularly Murphy. Um, a lot of people struggle to kind of visualize Murphy. Um, I think because... Uh, it, she has like a very contrasting personality with she's very strong, very athletic, but she's also uh, blonde. Uh, I think she's blue eyed. Um, and so it, it can be quite hard to kind of place what she looks like. Um, I've heard some people say like Katie Sackhoff uh, and that those sort of actresses. Um, but yeah, it, it really, really um, interesting to see how the artists have interpreted her look. Uh, and finally, uh, there's some uh, artwork from uh, the Dresden Files uh, comic book series, um, which is, is awesome. The Dresden Files comic book series itself uh, is uh, always very well uh, drawn. Um, and some of these original concept arts and uh, big page splashes um, are ideal um, kind of renders of key moments in Stormfront. Uh, you've got uh, the murder scene from the beginning of the book. Uh, you've got, again, Harry interacting with Toot Toot. Uh, you've got uh, Gentleman John and Marcone and Harry uh, kind of interacting. Uh, you've got um, a moment that we're going to talk about today uh, when Su Susan Rodriguez... Uh, pulls a gun on a toad demon. Uh, you've got uh, the image that we actually linked to a couple of uh, episodes back with Bianca, uh, and when Harry and Bianca first kind of face off um, and come into contact for the first time. Uh, there's also Morgan. Um, so loads and loads of really great images. Um, and uh, right at the bottom of the post, uh, there's also a reminder that uh, you can get Stormfront, Full Moon, and Grave Peril, the first three books in the Dresden Files series, uh, at a reduced price um, on pretty much every major kind of bookseller, uh, bookstore, including uh, Apple and Amazon. Um, so it really is a great time to uh, to start off a Dresden Files addiction. Uh, like, you can get the first three books for under £10, um, 
pounds because we're British. Uh, but um, under about fifteen dollars, um, which is uh, an absolute bargain, I think. Really, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add, Rob? Um, yeah, there's kind of rolling off from the twentieth anniversary stuff. Um, you mentioned very, very, very early on at the start. Uh, Penguin Publishing Group have put together a nice little event to celebrate the twentieth century. Twentieth uh, century, twentieth anniversary uh, event, um, and it's like a Q and A, like a Zoom. Thankfully, it's all on Zoom online. You know, lockdown and stuff like that. So they've really catered for the fans in that way, which is fantastic. Um, it kicks off 7 p.m. on Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Eastern Daylight Time. I think the EDT stands for. I can never remember which. <laughs> I think for us, this end of the this side of the pond, I think pushes it probably about midnight, about 11 o'clock to midnight. So. Yeah, if you're if you're having really late nights, can't sleep at the moment because of what's going on in the world, then you're in luck. Because yeah, what else are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, what it is, it's uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the author Patrick Rothfuss wrote uh, King Killer Chronicle. I think he was involved writing the Dungeons and Dragons Rick and Morty comic recently as well. Uh, yes, I think you're right there, actually. Yeah, I I know that everyone's pining for his like third book of the uh, Ki- uh, King Killer Chronicle series, which is why I never got around to finishing the second book. Um, meh. But uh, yeah, he's a special guest at the event, and it'll be like a Q and A between him and Jim Butcher, which and and you know of course the audience, which sounds <laughs> it sounds really cool because I I know. Patrick Rothfuss is a massive Dresden Files fan. Like, if you go on uh, Goodreads or anything like that to kind of track your reading progress or whatever, um, you click on any Dresden Files books, and he's got, like, a review being like, when I first read this, I thought it was the dog's bollocks. And then (laughs) the next review under it (laughs) is so, like, from him being like, oh, I just read it again. It's fucking sick. But, I mean, he goes into a lot more detail, obviously. But, um... It's definitely worth checking out. The event is free. We will post a link in the description as well, because I think you all you have to do is register for the event. Um, yeah, it's bound to be a lot of fun. I mean, if, I, if I'm if i awake enough to do it, then maybe we'll cover some of it next week. Yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure uh, with this sort of thing that it will be thrown onto YouTube somewhere. That's what um, I'd expect. Or, I'd be very surprised on- if it wasn't. Yeah, um, so we'll definitely be posting a link to, to whatever gets put up uh, in our following episodes. Um, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. So uh, is there anything else in paranetworkings? I think that's really covered it for this week. I feel like I, I really came out of the gate like swinging today (laughs) nothing wrong with that um i've just started like a a new exercise routine so i'm pumped uh and ready for action um dresden style um cool so we'll we'll move on to our book club uh then 
Um, uh, and it's continuing on uh, from uh, last week where uh, we had... God, uh, last week was uh, was pretty crazy. Um, and Calm I'm before the storm. A, yeah, it was it was kind of the build up, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Harry uh, went and interrogated um, Linda Randall. Um, he investigated the peach the Pete's company that delivered to uh, the Lake House. Um, and then he got jumped. Um, he went to Merce's office, uh, talked a little bit about uh, the three eye thugs. thugs. Uh, Harry and Murphy catched up on the case. Harry passed out uh, from a head injury. Um, Murphy took Harry home, uh, and Linda Randall called. Uh, she was going to meet Harry um, at about 8 p.m., but then decided that she'd go home first. Um, and then meet him a little bit later. Monica Nolasning called and tried to cancel the investigation. Um, and then Harry got another call that Murph answered but claimed it was a wrong number. Um, and we kind of ended the chapter with Harry passed out on the sofa. Um, and uh, things getting building intention, really. Um, <clears throat> It, obviously, Monica, no last name, seemed under some sort of duress. Um, the police are getting more and more keen to find the murderer. Uh, and uh, the heat's really turning up on, on Murph. And um, and then, of course, the Mafia's involvement as well with the, uh, the threat um, that Dresden received. Um, so, Rob, do you want to take us through... Uh, the new chapters for this week? Yeah. Um, as you know, we covered chapters 13, 14, and 15. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, chapter 13, we kick off right from where we left off, really. Harry uh, wakes up during a thunderstorm um, at his apartment, uh, remembering that he has a date with uh, the lovely Susan Rodriguez, who shows up at his apartment. Um, <clears throat> while he's showering, you know, getting ready to do his stuff. Frog Demon rocks up, which is, I think, the first point so far in the series where we've had anything like that appear. Um, yeah. Naturally, uh, <laughs> I guess you could say shit hits the fan. Because um, it's quite literally caught him with his trousers down. He hasn't even got anything on at this point. He's butt naked from, like, coming out of the shower. Um he advises Susan to get down into the basement to kind of, you know, get as far away from this creature as possible. And there's a potion there that's meant to, you know, be used to teleport, like, you know, drink the potion, think of home, kick your heels kind of thing, and it'll take you to where you want to go. Um, this gets confused with the love potion that was brewing earlier in the story. Um, and with Harry being forced to retreat in the basement as well, again, it goes... Uh, they retreat to a, like a magic circle, which we covered circles before and their meaning throughout uh, the series. Um, yeah, the frog demon busts in, and I think it's the magic circle is like their only thing keeping them safe at this point. Um, and the chapter kind of ends with uh, the love potion that Susan's taken starting to like really take effect, and she's starting to get all over Harry. 
who's awkwardly standing there with just a towel covering himself. Um, yeah, but because of this, it's kind of threatening the magic circle as well. Uh, that rolls around into chapter 14 of, of trying to find a way out of the circle. Um, thankfully, they get hold of the like, teleportation potion thingy. Um, managed to get to safety. There's, there's a bit of concern because now uh, Susan's taken like two potions in one go, both of them very different. So it's, I know, I guess it's like mixing your drinks. It's going to make her feel a bit rough. Um, oh, and the deal between that was Bob the Bob the Skull was going to help out Harry and Susan get out of that situation. In return, he's promised 24 hours of uh, freedom from the Skull. At which point we run into the Shadow Man, who is... It's not actually the man himself. I, I don't think it was a aberration. Like a hologram type thing, I guess. Yeah. He's pulling the strings he, he of. Like a hologram. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I mean, either way, it's turned out to be the person who's pulling the strings with this demon. And something I <clears throat> particularly liked about it is um, just before the frog demon rocks back up, I can't remember what Harry does. I, he's like looking at it with his third eye or whatever. But he, he does something which causes the. Um, the shadow man to like startle and he's like how did you do that and he just quips i you know i actually went to school which i like because it's it's hard truth he did learn he did learn and train his magic abilities but at the same time it's just a, like a proper jab of yeah you, you're a dumbass you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i quite like that it felt really buffy the vampire slayer as well which i also enjoyed but um, the retaliation to this was the Shadow Man being like, you know, you, that's it. This is the end of the line for you and kind of gets the uh, Frog Demon back on their case, which Harry uses the channels the lightning from the storm, and, you know, uses that against the Frog Demon, destroying it in the process. At which point Morgan decides now is a convenient time not to help out or anything like that, but, you know, just pop out of the shadows and be like, White Council are on their way, and uh, I'm building a case against you, and you will be sentenced to death. Um, yeah, and then he just kind of skulks back into the shadows before the police arrive. And then we go into uh, chapter 15, where the police rock up and take you know Dresden away. They take him to Linda Randall's apartment. Um, why is <laughs> When is the very um? Yeah, meets Murphy, and we find out that Linda Randall has been murdered. Who saw that coming? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and while we're there, um, Murphy begins to interrogate Harry because she she's been unaware that um Harry's doing a bit of investigating himself and has gone to see Linda Randall. Um, if you remember from last week, uh, he gave uh Linda Randall the business card with you know like his details on. Um, so Murphy's like thinking Harry's involved and naturally something we've previously discussed is especially earlier on Harry tries to protect Murphy by just pretending he doesn't know shit <clears throat> and that's very much what he does here he he lies to Murphy and acts you know plays plays dumb like I, I don't know who she is maybe she got my card from someone else etc that kind of shit um, mm-hmm. 
and Murphy gets really kind of defensive and kind of reverts back from being that trusty ally to just pure like cop police officer vibe of you know where we're gonna have to question you then uh you're off the case um are you available to be in to come down the station for an interview either tonight or tomorrow morning um and that's kind of where we finish up chapter 15 yeah um it's kind of like a low point in the book i guess isn't it like um i think the, the, the very last sentence of uh chapter 15 particularly uh um is like uh, and i walked away from murphy whom i couldn't talk to and from linda who i couldn't protect my head aching weary to my bones and feeling like a total piece of shit <laughs> yep um that'll do it awesome yeah so how did you find uh these three i mean i know i i I feel it's become my catchphrase on this but every week as soon as we start talking about the chapters i'm like well i've only read the graphic novel but (laughs) i mean compared to the graphic novel again there's a lot more for lack of a better expression depth which is understandable um but reading it as prose was a completely different experience and i guess it made me i mean even though i've read the next like uh 12 12 to 13 books i always forget until it happens how good jim butcher is at writing like action scenes definitely definitely i think even without um like a visual image or medium such as the graphic novels or even without uh the audiobooks, you can still kind of picture it in your head. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something I really like, especially with the Frog Demon being the first like action set piece, I guess, where we're seeing magic being used. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's got he's got a really good um because the he's got a really good voice. Um because the way that the the book is written, it's always from Judson's point of view, and and it's always quite kind of in the moment. Um, you get a good feeling for kind of the the on the spot decisions and calculations, I guess, that he has to make when he's back against the wall. Um, especially like this is a great one where he's got Susan to to worry about. Obviously, he's in he's in his house and. Ideally, he doesn't want too much collateral damage, um, and and at the same time, he's trying to balance like can can he let Bob out? Uh, because Bob is an an air spirit, which is kind of explained to be chaotic, I guess. Yeah. Um, so letting him out could have negative like repercussions if he does something wrong, and anything that he does, um, Harry is. Uh, on the hook for essentially, especially where the White Council is concerned. Um, at the same time, he's got to work out like how he can combat the Frog Demon without um, like loads of mortals um, realizing what's going on. Um, I mean, I mean, even Susan, he tries to kind of keep it from, um, mm. but it's kind of hard when she's staring a Frog Demon in the face. Um, <laughs> Her reaction yeah. made me think of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like you know, um, 
like there wasn't really any kind of oh no that that even though I'm staring it in the face it can't be real it's very much like how when the like the rest of the Scoobies like Willow Zander and all that are exposed to vampires they're just kind of there's that brief kind of like oh shit but then that's it it's, it goes from that just to kind of accepting that these things exist yeah i can i, mean, I can definitely see that a, a little less i guess with susan but it still had that kind of there, there was no we didn't spend all that time faffing around with her being like it can't it has to be like smoke and mirrors because these things don't exist i mean i know she's a reporter for the arcane that deal with like the supernatural and weird kind of things but and that is it's something i appreciated at this moment reading the story i kind of feel like before this she's kind of i don't know like paranormal investigators in in our world where it's like oh there's like a weird occurrence but we can't really prove anything uh whereas now she's like oh okay it's real um (laughs) i mean a a nice contrast and i think i again one of the reasons why i enjoyed it more this time is um i'm i'm reading the wheel of time alongside this and you've got like these kind of beastie like chimera monstery things that attack a village and mm-hmm. the characters are like, oh no, that it can't be that because they're the stuff of legend. And it's like, but we're also talking about another like war hero character who can do magic and has all these weird abilities. You're standing next to a wizard having this conversation. How like why <laughs> why is why is a Chimera man like not plausible, you know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and definitely. it's it's kind of the reverse of that, and I think that's why I really enjoyed it. It's kind of it's staring me in the face. It exists. I, I like um, he talks a little bit about how when mortals come up against these sort of things, their mm. their minds do often kind of uh, snap in weird ways, um, and Susan, her kind of automatic response is to go into like a, a reporter mode. Yeah. Um, so she she's very much she's quite invest investigative about the situation like how do you stop it how do we fight it why can't we use this why can't we do that um which is really cool and I, and I think it's a bit of a running theme through the book that harry his allies at least um and and we'll get introduced to more of them as as we kind of go on but for now even just uh, murphy and susan um are people that when when their backs against the wall they don't they don't freeze up or seize up they do something um and they and they fall back on their talents um and i think that's that kind of uh, that's something that wins harry's respect with people yeah um i would say um and it's interesting cuz cuz some some of his best villains are very similar like marcone you never admits defeat or um he always tries to find a way to 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 get the upper hand uh nicodemus as well is very similar mm. i would say um yeah and and if jim butcher wants to show that someone isn't um really worth much of harry's time uh one of the one of the ways that he'll do it and we'll see in, in both this book and later books is show them freezing up or not knowing what to do or panicking um instead of taking like decisive action 
yeah. I think. Um, which is really cool. But yeah, um I I I super enjoyed these chapters. Um for me like so the the, the kind of face off combat bit is is awesome and it's really cool and um I I really enjoy the comedy of yeah. it. Um as well. Um which was was one of the first points I wanted to talk uh, touch on. Apart from being the the urban fantasy or low fantasy um, series that uh, genre that it's known as, I think you can make an argument that the Dresden Files is to some degree a comedy, like a very dark comedy. Yeah, I mean, again, the humor I kind of compare with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's kind of there is that darker element to the humor, but it's um. Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Self-aware, I guess. Yeah. Like I can't think of a. I don't know if that's the wor- words I'm looking for, but fuck it, I'm gonna go with that for now. And if I think of any, if I think of what I actually mean, I'll shout it out. I think. Um, I I see it as kind mm. of. I guess Spider-Man esque, like yeah, uh, where he's he's dealing with the the action and the. The, the complete bizarreness of everything around him with humour. Yeah, it's kind of um, a way of coping with it. Yeah, and, and a lot of times when he's when he's pushed up against authority figures of any sort, um he will he'll use humour to kind of bring their authority down. Um mm. which is really interesting. But um what what got me about this was that it is it's completely a farce in the in the case of like um so fast is like uh an older term for it um but like a, a setup where just everything is going wrong for one character essentially uh, and the comedy that ensues from that um so uh, a really good example is if you ever watch an episode of frasier uh most episodes of frasier are a farce and uh frasier himself is the but of the farce um, <laughs> normally because he's trying to be so serious and the world around him is um, not or not fitting into his limited kind of view of how the world should work. Um, and, and this uh, is a complete farce where Harry is the butt of it. Um, he wakes up beautiful, uh, possible like romantic love interest um, at his door and, um, he's forgotten the date. So immediately there's like a bit of joking around there. Um, he's on a, on a clock. Cause at this point he thinks that Linda Randall, um, <laughs> is, um, waiting to, uh, meet up with him. So he's like, mm. okay, I've got to deal with my, my love interest and then meet up with essentially a prostitute. Um, without my, without Susan, like having an issue with that. Then, um, he goes and has a shower to kind of, uh, work out what to do next, uh, and, and kind of clear his head. Um, as he does that, the frog demon turns up and then it's like, okay, great. So the date has now turned into a battle. Um, I'm now, he had to run out of the shower, like half, like lathered up in soap and stuff. So like he's dealing all the way through the bastards talking about how like the soap suds in his eyes and he's like slippery and stuff. 
Um, Susan obviously sees him like this, which is the the worst way. Like he did not want to, her to see him, particularly like naked him like this. Uh, and he, he then has to do like high level magic as uh, this this frog demon is breaking into his apartment and could possibly kill them. Um, mm. And then it's like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. We've got the escape potion. We'll get out. It'll be cool. Susan then takes the love potion, um, which on like one one level kind of makes Harry seem a bit suspect that he would make a love potion. Um, it's not a great thing for like a romantic partner to, to take, I suppose. Um, but it's also kind of the outcome he wanted from the evening, just not this way, because uh, he kind of wanted her to kind of fall for him and, and all that. Um and there's there's like there's the great moment of like they're in the circle and if anyone breaks the circle and the frog demon will kill them at the same time his love interest susan is all over him and he it's the one time he doesn't want her to be um and it it just becomes this like um kind of hilarious farce i mean the first time that i uh I read this. I, I was joking. I, I was laughing um, definitely, <laughs> and even listening to it to get uh, to it again, I was definitely smiling uh, for a lot of it. It it's um, it's it's really really well done, and I think Jim Butcher's pacing and a lot of his asides uh, really help with this. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a great like summary, I guess, at the end of chapter thirteen, which is a. Uh, the demon watched what was happening in the circle with froggy eyes and kicked a section of floor clear enough of debris for it to squat down on its haunches and stare, restless and ready as a cat waiting for a mouse to stick its head out of a hole. Susan stared up at me with sultry eyes and tried to wrench me to the floor and consequently out of the circle's protective power. Bob continued to wail his innocence. Who says I don't know how to show a lady a good time? <laughs> And I think that's that's the kind of the pers- the the perfect summary of that. Then chapter fourteen and fifteen, um, it it gets it gets a little more serious again. Um, mm. And I think also the, the the comedic side of it um, helps to to give like a balance to the tone because up to this point it's been very grim and we're about to go into another quite dark and grim section. So um, putting a, a a funny spin on this fight scene. Um, was was very cool. Um, the other thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to bring up uh, with um, what I enjoyed in the chapter was I really enjoyed uh, Murphy and Dresden being um, so opposed to each other. Um, if you read the later books, and, and when we get there, we'll talk about it, Um Dresden and Murphy are always pretty much in lockstep. If not, like Murphy's like, are you sure you're okay? Or how can I help? Or I can tell that there's something off, but they're always allies. Um, and it's, it's very rare. Um, really past this book, I can't think of another instance particularly where Murphy and Dresden are so far apart from one another. I think um, it's this one and the next one, because I think... Maybe to a degree the third one, from what I remember. But I think the third mm. one, they're at that point where they trust each other, which is a massive spoiler alert for book three. But if you remember, um, 
whatever antagonist it is poses as Harry and goes into um, Murphy's office. And like, yes, there's yes. some weird mind mind voodoo on her. And I think that kind of that happened because their relationship progressed. Yeah. Um, and and I suppose that exposes the vulnerability of, of their relationship. Like, yeah. Um. That that will be an interesting thing for us to talk to when we get to the no. uh, talk about when we get to. The... <laughs> Look forward to that. Give it a year. <laughs> probably less. I mean, if we keep this going, then probably in like a month and a half, two months. Yeah, we are we are smashing through. We're getting to. Well, we're past the halfway point now yeah, in Stormfront. Halfway, so it's all going well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think pretty much it's like another four or five episodes, and we're and we're out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> crazy. Um, but, yeah, Harry and Murphy's relationship is probably my personal highlight of the entire series, even even at this point where it's not as developed as it is later down the line. And I think it's because mm-hmm. it, it, it's similar to the thing with Bob, like how Bob's that kind of idea springboard, I guess. And with Murphy, it's that voice of self-doubt, especially earlier on where he's like, I'm going to go solve this murder. And you've got Murphy being like, you can't do it outside of the law or something like that, or you can't do it this way. You can't do it how you want to do it keep your hands clean i guess and it, it's again that moral com- moral compass um lost my train of thought kind of foil i guess keeps him straight yeah definitely i think harry is quite a chaotic and like anarchistic character yeah um, especially so... with what morgan says about him in, in regards to the laws of magic so i definitely. think definitely definitely i know Murphy keeps him balanced and on the road of righteousness to, to sound cliche about it. It's interesting as well, because in later books, his kind of chaotic way also mm. begins to impact her. Uh, and, and we do see like they're, they're both having an effect on each other, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so one point that I, I wanted to bring up, and and it perhaps is a dangerous point for two <laughs> blokes on the internet to talk about. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know where it's is, going. Uh, <laughs> is Dresden and the male gaze? I mean, um, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's definitely a it's definitely something worth mentioning. And I mentioned uh, reviews on Goodreads earlier. And that's that's a really common thing that comes up in the reviews. You you dig, not even dig around deep enough, but like I say, you've got like the top rated reviews from like people like Patrick Rothfuss and a few other authors who are fans of the series as well. And then mm-hmm. you go into user reviews, and it's quite balanced in what it shows you. I can't remember off the top of my head if it's in like order of relevancy or what, but you'll have like a four or five star review of a fan being like, oh favorite series ever for these reasons like character development progression and then you'll have like a one or two two star review with someone being like i like the series but i dislike the character of harry dresden for how he treats women and 
I always find it interesting because he doesn't treat them badly, but I can I can kind of understand it. I I can definitely see it, and I think it is possibly one of the bigger weaknesses of the series. But I feel I mean it's uh, it's still present in le- in later books, but not as. But I think it's definitely it's a, char- it's a character trait for Harry Dresden specifically. It's not every male character doing it is what I think's quite interesting. And I think that's made abundantly clear as we go through the series. Oh god, like so many male and female characters call him out on it. Yeah, that's uh, especially what I enjoy. Yeah. Um there's there's some great I mean there's a running there's a running thing with Murph calling him uh like a, de- a degenerate and stuff like that. Mm. Um but even like more getting into it um when he when he starts to kind of hang around with like Michael and people like that um it becomes very clear that it's not necessarily Jim Butcher's view um it's very much Harry has a I guess like a bit of a white knight complex yeah um where he believes that um he well, he believes that he has to protect everyone. That's the first thing. Um, no matter who uh, is is with him, um, if they're mortals, they're vulnerable because they're mortals. If they are um, other like kind of heroes, uh, they're vulnerable because Harry is either not telling him telling them everything, or they are not as aware of everything as Harry is. So he feels like he has to protect them. Uh, but he also does does seem to have a feeling that he has to protect women. Uh, particularly, mm-hmm. and it's something that comes through in Stormfront um, a lot. It was something that I really noticed in these chapters, um, like uh, when he's talking to the Shadow Man, um, he asks if uh, he'll let Susan go, um, and, and um, I think the, the way he asks it, it's more like let like let the woman go, yeah, um, like, like that's the reason why he should let, him, let her go, kind of thing. Um, and there's there's a very like protective uh, thing there, um, which there are reasons he feels that way, um, and it's something that you see in the characters that he kind of grows, he begins to grow past it, like um, as he t- he takes on a, like an apprentice, and as um, he. Uh, works more with Murph. He begins to to get more faith that that they can protect that they can protect themselves. Um, but I think I think at this point in the story, he has a bit of like a a, a, a teenage view on how like men should be and what what it is to be masculine. Yeah. Um, something I found really interesting on the other side of that is that when he describes women uh, like attractive women i w- i wouldn't say that his descriptions generally are very ma- male gazy yeah. um he will say that they are attractive but I, he tends not to go into much detail again whether this is out of like um they need to be protected so i I'm not going to be one of those people that like uh, objectifies women. 
um, yeah. or if it's if it's out of more of a, a respect, um, it's kind of harder to tell that. I think, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my takeaway from it. Um, I can see why people would have a difficulty with that in the character, um, but I would also say that the Dresden Files has some very uh, feminist aspects. Um, Murphy is a an incredibly strong character. Um, I mean, she is a mortal that is dealing with madness around her, and um, she is incredibly strong, arguably stronger than Dresden, uh, emotionally dealing with it. Um, Susan Rodriguez um, is a woman that uh, embraces her sexuality and and uses that. Um, to to kind of get stories, get uh, further information, uh, and really use it as a weapon, uh, and that's something that that recurs time and time again. Uh, several of Dresden's major villains are um, are women: uh, Marvra, Bianca, uh, to name to name two really really key ones. Both uh, both vampires um, that uh, are able to. Uh, completely different takes on on how women can be villainous. Um, Marvra is very much um, a uh, a cackling madwoman. Uh, Bianca is uh, probably more on the femme fatale side, but she can be very upfront and aggressive when when needed. Mm. Um, uh, other characters, uh, so Molly is one that. Uh, obviously comes into things later, Harry's apprentice, and, and we won't talk too much about her, but she she is very much um I would say that she, that she is a very feminist character. She um it's never it's never really talked about um I suppose that I suppose that there is a little bit of talk about like uh people find her her attractive and, and stuff, but um that's that's more downplayed to her badassery and how yeah. how like awesome she is uh, and that sort of side of things. Um, and uh, again, like she's a completely different character to Murphy, completely different to Susan. Um, she wears like she's very like punky, um, and and while she could could choose to lean into her attractiveness and her looks she's more concerned with more of like a, a an aggressive outward uh, appearance i suppose so also um, just thinking sorry to interrupt like no 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 go for it i, I was coming to the end of my rant i feel a bit bad cause <laughs> I, I feel like i'm ranting because you made a very good point of um a lot of the big antagonists like bianca mavra um being female and if you if you think of like I swear, like, the ones, the, the female antagonists that we do get, and there's a fucking lot of them now that I think about it, always manage to survive or do a lot better than the male counterparts. It, I mean, it very much comes down to, quite often, the, the male counterparts will stand and fight with Dresden, um, yeah. and it'll turn into a bit of, like, who's more powerful. Uh, I mean, God, Nicodemus is so bad for that in some of the later books. <laughs> Um, he he just wants to fight Dresden to the end. But to, um, to, I mean, I could is... be wrong, but to my knowledge at the moment, Nicodemus is like the only male antagonist who's not dead. 
Marcone. Or and Mal- Yeah, I don't really count Marcone though as an antagonist. He's more I don't know. <laughs> Heroic he's but weird. He's weird reasons. Yeah, definitely. Um He's probably my favourite of the allies. Yeah. I guess. But um, um a good female character to mention and I don't know why it crossed my mind completely, but Ivy, the archive. Yeah, so she's I mean, really interesting. You think that I mean, kind of spoilery-ish, but I'm going on the basis that if you're listening to this, you've <laughs> you've read a lot of the series already. But um, if you think of what the archive is and represents, like basically the most intelligent person going, I guess, or yeah, just 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 how it is, like the Avatar from uh, Last Airbender, but with you know memories being passed down to each. <laughs> generation as opposed to all the powers and shit but no that's i know it's something i've never really thought of before in regards to like male gaze and all that kind of stuff yeah uh, i mean you've also got like charity michael's wife yeah the um, um all the uh fey as well winter court and all that kind of stuff winter court oh my god court. yeah we're gonna have a cool day when we get Jeez, to that. <laughs> there is a lot when you get into it. Um, uh, oh god, uh, Lucian um, on the White Council as well. Yeah, very. Yeah, Lucian. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah. Fuck, Lucio, Anastasia. Lucio, 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 something like that. I can't remember now. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to find it very quickly and <laughs> struggling. Um, but but yeah, uh, again, um, and and all of those characters, uh, even more um, like Ivy, as you say, is is very much uh, like the the embodiment of all knowledge, and um, is is a completely different kind of female character to, to yeah. some of the others. Um, and Charity is really interesting because she is a she's a she's essentially a house mom. Um, yeah. But is as badass, if not more so, than some of the femme fatales of the series, um, and and completely has her own moments, and really like puts Dresden in his place several times, mm. um, especially. Uh, uh, well, I'm pretty sure there are there are a few points where she puts him in his place around his views on the world maybe not specifically with women but the world uh, in general at least well definitely um yeah so i i think it's it's an interesting thing uh to give to make a character i i guess chauvinistic but in a chivalrous way or yeah. in a, a way that he considers to be chivalrous um, as a character flaw. Now, part of me does wonder whether Butcher originally didn't intend this um, and started out with this was how he wanted to write Dresden Files and then realised that he needed to to kind of have a more uh, open view. Because in Storm- Stormfront feels more male-gazy than some of the later books to me. Definitely. Um, I don't know if you found that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely 
definitely something that I feel was um, maybe not initially attended, but if if you think of what I was saying about the Goodreads review, it's like the only real negative criticism that I see usually involves the male gaze. So, I mean, I guess it's something that he developed from maybe based on that. Maybe someone was telling him, I love your work, but this is something I don't like about it. Or maybe he checks reviews uh, when the Stormfront was mm. first published and thought that there are areas of this that can be developed or done differently without affecting the overall story. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it definitely gets confronted and dealt with better as the, as the novels go on. Mm. Um, I know that when I, when I have tried to get people into Dresden Files, it has been one of the things that's put them off in the first book. Yeah. Um, and I guess to the, to the people, I, I would kind of say to, to stick with it and that it is something that the character becomes aware of um, and develops around. Um, yeah, I suppose that's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, I'm, I'm, I am, I would, would generally say that we are against the, the male gaze uh, on the Paranet podcast, uh, but it's um, it's something that we that we need we needed to talk about. So yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so the last thing that with that, uh, so we, we've kind of we've checked on Harry and Murphy's relationship. We've talked about the the frog demon farce. Uh, we've talked about uh, combat in the Dresden Files, um, and we talked about the male gaze, uh, the Shadow Man. Uh, finally, um, yeah. interesting villain, not interesting. Um, where hard do you, to say where at the moment. You... With this being the first real appearance of the Shadow Man, I feel it leaves a lot to. Um, I know. It, Interesting in the sense of that it, it doesn't give away too much of who it is, etc. You can probably piece it together at this point. But um I know it leaves enough mystery and intrigue to still see it, perceive it as like this person could be more of a threat than they're letting on. Because we still don't know anything apart mm. from they summoned a toad demon, possibly you know who's behind the murders and shit. So we know if that is the case, we know they're powerful. But from being surprised at what Harry did in response, and they now know that Harry's you know also got some magic ability going around, which they obviously perceive as a threat from how they react to the whole "Oh, how did you do that?" like comment. Yeah. So I feel. I know. I I'd, I'd go for interesting. Not the most interesting, like Dresden antagonist in the series, but for a first book, it does the job. Yeah, definitely. I think because there was so much being set up here, um, I I feel like Stormfront maybe has one of the weaker villains, um, but that's kind of uh, intentional. Um, yeah. Because the focus is is on Dresden and his universe being set up. Um, yeah, I I guess um, 
funnily enough, uh, you saying that, that you could piece it together by now. When I first read the Dresden Files, and this is probably going to make me sound really stupid, but when I first <laughs> read it, I I had no idea who the Shadow Man was. Um, I, I I did not put it together, and and it's super obvious now rereading it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose part of that is because we're we're really dissecting it as well as we're reading it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I just missed it or I I assume that the Shadow Man was very unrelated to some of the other plot points um, yeah. and was his own thing. Um, and I, I remember thinking that it was someone to do with Mark Owen. Um, yeah. But, I yeah. I can't uh, remember what I thought initially when I was reading it, but reading it, knowing what you know now about the later series, like the uh, Black Council kind of stuff, it's, it, it's a lot, I find it a lot more intriguing knowing that they probably were involved etc like how what part did they play did they help this person with the magic did they help with the third eye drug all that kind of stuff and definitely I mean, it's, it's one of the things that's definitely got me more excited about rereading the earlier books because it shows that aspect of the later books and also the whole planning from Jim Butcher you know how the story of being told to plan a book and he comes back and he's got like a 20 uh, book plan for the overall series. It kind of shows that display. Yeah, like um, so when I originally read The Dresden Files, I I thought that um, Jim Butcher was writing it basically didn't have much of an overarching idea i mean he's always had the the 20 novels with the three book uh, magic apocalypse thing and, and, I, and i'd seen yeah. that but when i read it i i thought okay so with the later books now he's trying to make things more epic he's picking out plot points from previous books and and like tying them together and stuff and doing a bit like um uh, the, the James Bond film Spectre um, does it with Christopher Waltz's character uh, where um, he's like, oh yes, I, I was actually behind everything all along uh, yeah. from the last three films. Um, <laughs> when there wasn't really any setup for that. But yeah. rereading the books, um, it's, it's very clear that Jim Butcher put little pieces in to be picked up upon. Uh, throughout, like like the mention of he who walks behind, um, it's it seems quite clear that the shadow man has some has more guidance going on, yeah, um, than it's like the average caster would. It's like little details where it kind of ties it. Like for example, I won't use the uh, one in the, the example for the next book I'm thinking of, but. With the Shadow Man, I I can't remember if it's actually explained that he is linked to the Third Eye stuff, but from what I remember, it's there is a link, but when you really think about it and analyse it, the link is quite minimal. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leaves that question of, you know, it, it could have been him, it could not have been him, but it kind of leaves it more questionable, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to with rereading these books. Same. It's the more of these that we'll find. 
and and the the kind of reward for rereading, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. So, I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, apologies if I've if I've ranted a lot today. Like <laughs> I say, I, I came in swinging. Uh, Rob, do you wanna do you wanna take us out? Yeah. Um. Yeah, as usual, review us on iTunes, download us on Spotify. We've had a lot, a lot of support um, already. We've had over 200 downloads on the first five episodes. In, and we've only been going, what, like a month, just over a month? Which... Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, which is great. I mean, it, it either shows that everyone's pretty bored in lockdown or, you know, people like what we're doing or a weird combination of both. Either way, I'm not complaining. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. We will see you next Actually, week. Where we'll be covering. Um, yeah, sorry. We should we should probably mention uh, our plans for when Stormfront ends. Yeah, if, if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so when when Stormfront comes to an end, uh, kind of to celebrate, uh, getting through our first series, and and because. It's uh, it's awesome that we've had such great support from all you guys. Um, we would like to do a little competition. Uh, so uh, we put our email address on uh, every single episode. Uh, no matter where you're watching, you'll be able to find our email address. Uh, we're looking to hear from you guys. Um, we would love uh, any sort of uh, review or thoughts or questions around Stormfront uh, particularly. Um, and me and Rob are going to do kind of a, a Stormfront uh, wrap-up uh, podcast episode uh, with all that that great stuff. Um, now you might be thinking, but why would I? Why would I take the time to write that email? And I'll tell you why. Um, one of the people that contacts us uh, via our email, uh, we will pick out at random. Um, we're just going to throw it all uh, in in a bag and, or a hat and pull it out. Uh, we will send you a copy of uh, Stormfront, um, the first Dresden Files book, uh, as well as uh, Full Moon, um, with uh, a little message uh, in the front of each book, uh, one from Rob and one from myself, uh, for you to enjoy and uh, to be ready as we go into uh reviewing and and breaking down the next book um we really want to hear from you guys uh and all of the uh amazing engagement that we've had so far um is fantastic and we really want to just say thank you um with this uh and we think it's a it's a great way to kind of kick that off um so yeah that's that's it really uh you've still got uh five weeks uh to send off your your email to us um We'll we'll kind of uh, keep you updated as we get closer and closer to the time about uh, how we're doing with uh, submissions and um, and all that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, be thinking about your thoughts, and um, we'll give you a big old uh, shout out on the show. Uh, and yeah, that's it really. Go on, Ross. Awesome. In that case, uh, crack open a can of Coke. We're in lockdown, and next week we'll be covering chapters 16, 17, and eighteen. We will see you then. Thank you again, guys. Take care. Bye.